And so I want to welcome you to Connect Church and uh, welcome you. Uh, and I forgot to do this earlier. Uh, I got so excited about what God's doing here and praying for you, praying for uh, Ukraine. Uh, that um, if you are a first time, and I met some new folks, very first time I've ever met you this morning, uh, in the back of your chair is a card. Fill that out. Uh, you can do that. The first part of the sermon is not as good as the rest. A- anyway, and so fill out the back, uh, that card right now. Not the back of the chair, but the card. Uh, don't write on our chairs. And if you will, take that card to our guest services desk. And they'll be glad to give you a bag of goodies. And we want to pray over you guys. And so uh, please do that. Well, we are in the Gospel of Luke. And uh, if our world, if our church, our community ever needed to know that God's got a plan, it is right now. And so here we are. Uh, This is uh, what our sermon series is about, the Gospel of Luke, God's plan. And you need to know that if we're walking week by week, verse by verse, through the Gospel of Luke, and God is revealing his plan not only for his church, for the world, but for you personally. Wouldn't it be good to know that God's got a plan for your life? And he does. And we're going to help you unpack that every week. And matter of fact, we're going to unpack it in a rather unique way uh, today. And so here's where, we're going to la- here's where we're going to launch from this morning. This comes as a quote in one of the commentaries that I was reading about the text today. And it was so good that I'm going to read it word for word. Leadership. Leadership in God's kingdom bears little resemblance to leadership in the world. I had no idea when I would write this part of my sermon in my manuscript earlier on the week that all the Ukraine and all this stuff would happen and, and that God and his sovereignty would know that Connect Church, because he loves you guys, man, I, I cannot wait to, he has a word for you guys, that he loves you guys and he's wanting to help you and um, isn't that cool? And um, he knows where we're at and that we would be here that uh, 18 months ago preparing this sermon series this morning, I would be talking about leadership and how that God's kingdom and his leadership is different than the world. And if our world ever needed to follow God's leadership, it's this morning. Can I get an amen? Isn't that cool? And so you guys are right in the thick of this, of what God wants to do to help us know he's got a plan. So in this passage this morning, Jesus is going to describe in his, and we're going to finish out, it's the last paragraph of what you guys think I'm long-winded, uh, what we call the Sermon on the Plain. Uh, and Jesus, we started with the Beatitudes. We've been in it for two months. I, I don't know how long Jesus preached it, but it was a lengthy sermon. And so today we're going to wrap it up and we're going to finish this particular sermon that Jesus was preaching called the Sermon on the Plain. So, and here's what we're going to start with this morning. This is so cool. I love this about preaching. Uh, Back in the day, uh, I used to get criticized uh, for uh, using too many stories and telling, you know, funny stories because I'm so funny. And anyway, uh, and, uh, and Jesus, and I love this today because I get to go booyah, because Jesus will launch in three, he's going to tell three stories. And that's, all of, that's how he ends his sermon today. He just tells three stories, teaches great truths in them, but the first one's funny. And some of you all are just still reading your Bibles through the King James Southern Version, uh, and you've never really studied the Bible the way it was intended and written. And, uh, and Jesus is going to tell a humorous, because Jesus used, despite the way you were raised, he used humor, he used sarcasm, because Jesus used all of those techniques because he created them, he designed them, because he wants to get your all's attention 
so he can pour great truths into your life. So he's going to tell a funny story. And on behalf of that, so I'm going to start off my sermon like Jesus does. Booyah. All right, so here it is. Um, I grew up, Tanner loves this and Andrew does, I grew up as a 70s kid. And so in the 70s, and my two of my top five all-time favorite singers were Elvis, sorry babe, Elvis, well, thinking of babe, Sonny and Cher, I could go through the whole list, but I won't. Anyway, Oak Ridge Boys, but I was all over the music genre, I just didn't tell my mom that I was l- listening to rock and roll because I would have went to hell. But anyway, uh, so I snuck the radio, AM radio, some of you don't even know what that means, but anyway, uh, and so my other favorite singer was, I like country too, so I love, and this tells you how manly I was, I love John Denver. And y'all Google this later. And John Denver, <laughs> he was, he was, I mean, he had an awesome voice. And he sang a song, because I'm from Southern Illinois on the farm, and he sang a song, Country Road, Take Me Home, West Virginia, Mountain Mama. And so anyway, so yeah. <laughs> so, so anyway, uh, <laughs> it wasn't quite like that. But anyway, you get the idea. It was a cool song. Not the way I sing it, but it's a cool song. But his all-time, some of y'all are going, oh. Anyway, I told you don't listen, fill out the card in the first verse. Uh, come back, no visitors. Anyway, uh, I won't sing next week. But his all-time classic best song is Rocky Mountain High. John Denver sang 27 songs about Rocky Mountains. And I grew up on the farm, Southern Illinois kid. Uh, our land was so flat, we had no trees. We lived 70 miles from St. Louis, and I could see the arch. Well, maybe, but not. It was close. So I dreamed, Jeannie, of one day when I got big and could drive my own car, I'm going to get married and move to the Rocky Mountains. Boy, that didn't happen. But anyway, I'm in Mississippi. Where's it? So that leads, which is really, I didn't do this. This is really, so this leads to my favorite, one of my favorite all-time movies and my favorite funny lines in my, one of my favorite all-time movies, Dumb and Dumber. So now you know the quality of preacher that you get at your church. And so one of my favorite movies, and you remember the scene, it's classic, uh, I'm going somewhere with all this, uh, is that Harry and Lloyd are on their great adventure to go to the Rocky Mountains to meet Miss Samsonite, if you've seen the movie. And so anyway, and uh, the briefcase, anyway. All right, and so they're on their way to meet Miss Samsonite, and they're on their journey, and they read the road signs wrong. And remember, they wind up not headed towards Colorado, and they wind up hours later in Nebraska. And in that classic, funny line, Harry turns to Lloyd, and he goes, man, that John Denver, and he uses another term, but we'll clean it up for today, in the TBS version, that John Denver is full of crap. Uh, And anyway, and so where's those Rocky Mountains at? Because it is so flat. Sort of like the joke. Anyway, and so uh, it's funny. Watch the TBS version of the movie. So anyway, so uh, at that point, though, what happens next is Harry and Lloyd get into a major fight. Harry and Lloyd go at each other, and they literally almost break up their lifelong friendship over the fact that they weren't paying attention, they read the signs wrong, and they wound up wasting a lot of valuable time and money, and they almost 
abandoned their whole mission and purpose to go to Colorado to meet Miss Samsonite, and they almost give up on their dream because they read the signs wrong and they blow it all up. And so the point is simply this this morning. You're sitting in this room this morning, you're watching online, and Satan is doing his best to blow up your life. You have made choices and decisions in your marriage that are causing everything to come apart. You've made personality choices in your dreams about your jobs, your school, who you're dating, and your lives are blowing apart because you've read the signs wrong, you got lost on your journey of your dreams, and now, because you're not self-aware, you're fighting and ruining it all. And Jesus is going to pour into us this morning, and he's going to teach us how to become self-aware. He's going to say, it's time to let me get you back on track. You keep going down the wrong road because you're not self-aware that you don't know how to read the signs. And you're so trusting in yourself that you don't see that the worst enemy is you. I told you you're not going to like this. Do you ever use the GPS and it didn't lead you to where you thought it would? Have you ever typed in the wrong thing? Happened to me this week. I was trying to attend a funeral um, in uh, Pontotoc, and apparently Tudor uh, funeral home people own like different ones in Pontotoc. Nobody said that, and they have different names on them. And so it is very awkward when you walk into a funeral home being very respectful as a pastor, and you go, these are not my people, and I have no idea who they are. I'm just saying. But my favorite story is you all people that do not, that are directionally challenged, I, I don't understand you. I'll be honest with you, you get on my nerves. And one of our classic all-time stories of directionally challenged people is our own beloved Ashley Stahl, Tanner's wife, who uh, is one of the worst all-time ones I've ever met. For months after they moved here, she could not find the church. And on her way, I'm talking months, maybe a year, she would have to type into the GPS how to get to the church to find her husband. And matter of fact, it was so struggling for her that when, and, and now to her credit, I mean, it wasn't all her fault, she would type it in, and originally in her GPS, it would take her to the old campus in 1995 that was by Johnny's Drive-In. <laughs> so she would pull up to Johnny's Drive-In and go, where's Tanner? Uh, and, uh, and now here's where it really gets crazy. Sometimes, bless her heart, she would drive by our church <laughs> on the way to Johnny's drive-in. And when you're directionally challenged, you're just not aware. And some of you are nodding your heads. You know you don't, you're oblivious to everything around you. It doesn't register to you. You can drive by where you want to go. But if you're directionally challenged, it doesn't matter. You're not getting it. And the truth of the matter is, is that's how some of y'all are living your lives. Is you're not seeing the obvious things that are going wrong in your life. You're not figuring out like Harry and Lloyd, dude, you know, you're just blaming John Denver uh, that, you know, he's a liar when the whole time you're on the wrong path. And you can't figure this out until we become self-aware. And so today's message is about Jesus teaching us 
And here's the ground, the ground foundation to all of this. Know this, that all of your problems are not from other people, and they're not because of everybody else is stupid and everybody else is against you all, or somebody's done you wrong. You listen to me this morning, and some of that's happened in your lives. No, no debate. Family, church, some of you all have gotten royally taken advantage of. But know this, Satan wants to use all that stuff to get you on the wrong road. Your pain, your loss, and what Jesus is saying, I want to help you become aware of these issues that have happened to you, the hurt and the pain you've been through, and if you'll let me teach you how to become self-aware, I can get you back on the right path, and the right path is to do discipleship and to stay on the Father's mission, and that's it. Y'all are trying everything else in your life. You're trying every other path. Do you want to know why God created you? What did Jesus say? What is the one command that he gave when he left? He knew he was talking to future Mississippi people. He kept it really short, and he kept it really sweet. What did Jesus tell you and I to do before he returned to the Father? What was it? Go and make disciples period. And we're doing everything but that. Stay on the Father's mission. We're going to teach you the value of discipleship and how God uses discipleship and relationships to help you become more self-aware, not listening to Satan's lies, and to get back on the right road. So turn your Bibles, if you will, to the book of Luke, chapter 6 this morning. The book of Luke, the end of Jesus' Sermon on the Plain, and we're talking to you guys about today, leading by example, not just doing as you're told. Dr. Daryl Bach is uh, one of the most brilliant men. He writes a New Testament uh, scholarship uh, commentary, and here's uh, what this guy says about this paragraph that we're going to look at today in Jesus' sermon. Dr. Daryl Bach says this uh, text is all about a warning, a warning to the church, to the Pharisees, to pay attention to his disciples about the teachers that they're following, and he, and he nails it. This is what this text is about. Pay attention. I'm going to give you three stories of what happens when you follow the wrong leaders, when you're not self-aware, and your leaders are not self-aware. This is what your life's going to be like, and it's not going to work for you. Stay focused on discipleship. Become self-aware and learn that, and, and specifically, he's going to address the audience that Jesus was preaching to at this point was made up of Pharisees, and they were the worst in not being self-aware. And he said, I want to remind you, these people tell you to do as you're told. Now listen to me this morning. If the people you're following, if you think that you can have a better life because you listen to a shiny podcast and you listen to a great preacher who just seems like he's got his ministry and his life all together, and if I can just somehow mimic him, and you think that's going to work for you, then you are not self-aware. If you think 
that you can just listen to this sermon and all your life's going to come together. You're not self-aware. And if a leader tells you that, and if he tries to sell you that like the Pharisees were saying, what? You follow our rules, then your life's going to be happy. And yet they were the most miserable, hypocritical people on the planet. You all want rules or you want a shiny new idea rather than a relationship with Jesus Christ. Discipleship is hard work, and you all keep trying to get around it, and you're never going to... You know what needs to happen tonight in our church? We need to have the greatest connect groups we've ever had. You know what happens and needs to happen this week in your discipleship groups? We need to get down to business. Becoming self-aware is going to happen tonight. If you do this right, you're going to ask yourself tough questions. We're going to look deep into our lives, and we're going to decide, am I going to keep selling my soul to find the, 90, the shiny new thing or to follow some little magic book in its writings to make me happy when Jesus says what you're looking for is a relationship with me? And how you figure that out is you need to have other people in your life hold you accountable. Discipleship. Discipleship. You learn what you're not self-aware of by being around other people. You don't believe me? Look what Jesus says. Would you stand with me this morning? We're going to read a lengthy passage. A lengthy passage this morning of Jesus pointing out that discipleship is what puts us on the right path. And gets us back to being people that are happy. Luke 6, 39. He told them a parable. Jesus, three stories. Can a blind man lead a blind man? Well, that's a good start. Will they not both fall into a pit? A disciple is not above his teacher, the leadership, but everyone who when he is fully trained will be like his teacher. Why do you see, now by the way, get ready to circle this. The second most misinterpreted verse probably in all the Bible, and we're fixing to blow that out of the water this morning. Uh, how y'all been using it? And I'm just going to tell you, it's a pet peeve of mine. If y'all post about this wrong one more time, I promise you I'm coming over to your house. So listen to this. Cutting you off of Facebook. <laughs> Some of y'all already been cut off. Why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye, but you do not notice the log that is in your own eye? I love that. How can you say to your brother, brother, let me take the speck that is in your eye, when yourself do not see the giant log that is coming out of your own eye? You hypocrite. Boy, Jesus was a little harsh here. Well, duh. First, take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take the speck that is in your brother's eye. Second story. For no good tree bears bad fruit, nor does a bad tree bear good fruit. It's, that could be like a little poem. Okay, here. All right, verse 46, 44. For each tree is known by its own fruit, for figs are not gathered from thorn bushes, nor grapes picked from bramble bush. I hate bramble bushes. The good person out of the good treasure of his heart produces good, and the evil person out of the evil treasure produces evil. For out of the abundance of the heart, his mouth speaks. <clears throat> Third story. Why do you call me Lord and do not do what I tell you? Everyone who comes to me and hears my word and does them, I will self-aware, I will show you what he is like. 
He is like a man building, third story, a man building a house who's dug deep and laid the foundation of the rock. When the, remember Sunday school? And when the flood arose and the, thrones, and the stream broke against the house, they could not shake it because he had been, it had been well built. But the one who hears and does not do them is like a man who has built a house on the ground, not self-aware, without a foundation. When the stream broke against it, immediately fell, and the, house, uh, and the ruin of the house was great. You may be seated. So Jesus begins his sermon with a humorous illustration. So all of my critics over the years, booyah. So Jesus begins, and he tells a story, and he says, can you imagine, now he's got this audience, these Pharisees and these leaders, and he says, what would it be like in following the wrong leadership, that's what he's addressing, you're following the wrong leaders, he says, what would it be like to follow a blind leader? And, and I picture Jesus, in all seriousness, and the scholarship that are right, uh, they point this out. So Jesus probably illustrated to them, if you're following a blind man, and the ditch is up next, and he falls down and goes down the ditch, you're going to fall down, and you're going to go in the ditch. That's me falling down. So anyway, uh, I think I just hurt my back. And so Jesus illustrates that. Well, the audience starts laughing, because here's this teacher, this leader, who's making an outrageous claim that is pretty easily figured out that if you're stupid enough, basically is what he's suggesting, to follow a blind man and he falls in a ditch, then you moron are going to fall in the ditch with him. And the audience is chuckling and they're laughing. Go, yeah, that, dude, that makes sense. I get that. Even Morville, I get that. I, I connected with that. And so he gets their attention with a sense of humor. He often does with sarcasm. So he can drive home a great truth. So let me give you my version of this. Belen, my wife, uh, was on a double date. Um, by the way, when I tell this story with her brother, no, no, hang on, let me clarify this. She was not on a double date with her brother. Uh, I mean, she wasn't going with her brother. Her brother had a girl, and she was on a date with another guy who wasn't me. I, I don't like this story. Anyway, and, and so but back in the day when we were in high school, and she tells a story. Her brother Chris and I were the same age, and her brother Chris was dating uh, at the time a girl that was blind. And so Chris and Belen are in the car, and Belen and her date, uh, he was an ugly jerk, uh, was in the front seat, and, uh, and Chris, I'm not bitter. Uh, anyway, and uh, Chris uh, and his, you know, blind girlfriend was in the back. And so Chris yells out at Belen, he goes, <laughs> he says, turn the light off in the car, it's blinding me. And Belen's like, shut up. Uh, anyway, because you don't say that in front of the, get it? Okay, uh, and so then Chris gets out of the car, and he tells the girl, who's blind, he said, uh, man, let me go out and, and uh, make sure that everything's safe to get to the front of your house. And when he opens the door, he falls in a ditch. <laughs> I mean, just literally falls out of the car, into a ditch, gets muddy, covered in mud, all this stuff, and he comes back up, and he goes, boy, I didn't see that coming. And so again, it was, uh, you know, just not a good way to, have, so she never went out with him again. But anyway, uh, so uh, all of those kind of stories, Jesus was using a sense of humor. Apparently it was better than mine. Uh, but he tells the story because he wants to get their attention. He wants them to understand this hard truth that he's fixing to unpack on them. The concept of discipleship in their culture, let me dig a little bit deeper into the text, and then we're going to apply it to your life and mine. 
But the concept of discipleship was so much more prevalent than it is in our day and time. Unfortunately, for the last hundred years in the American church, we went away from what John Wesley did in the 1800s, and we've just done church where we entertained you guys, where we put on a show, we put on a program, y'all come in and check off the box, Danny, we showed up at Connect Church, put a little bit of money in the pot, and man, you know, feel good about ourselves, let's get a preacher that's going to tell us what we want to hear, y'all go home, and then y'all still live sinful, immoral lives, and you continue to have the same divorce rate, you have the same sexual addictions, you have the same drug addictions as what everybody else in the community does and wonder why our church in America is dying. Did you get all that? Because we haven't done discipleship. And so the way Jesus designed this is he said, I want to help you become self-aware in relationships. I want you to become like me. I want you to follow me. And he said, the way that you do that is you learn to hang out with a group of people who hold you accountable, who pray over you, who you learn from, connect groups, discipleship, and, and, and they understood that in their culture. In the text, notice that Jesus says next after the fallen down story, he says, what kind of leader are you following? Well, they understood discipleship better than you and I did. It was a part of their natural culture. Everybody that lived in Jesus' time had a rabbi that they followed. And a rabbi, let's just say you decided to go off to Randall or Welch College and become a preacher because you've been so inspired and so anyway uh and give up that singing gig you know so anyway uh and so you you decide to become a preacher well what you would do in those days is a rabbi young rabbi would follow an older rabbi and he would become a mentor a discipler of the young rabbi then a, a group of people in the community would then choose this new rabbi and they're all being discipled by the older rabbi who's discipling the younger rabbi who's discipling the group of people discipleship so they understood that so jesus raises the issue what if you pick the wrong rabbi what if your group of people that you're hanging out with is not being discipled and following Jesus. And that's exactly what was happening with the Pharisees. They were trying to get them to do customs and traditions rather than a relationship with the new covenant. So Jesus says, you need to follow good leadership. Here's what Dr. Danny Aiken, another New Testament scholar, says about this text. And he's on point. If we follow people who are hypocritical and condemning, Sooner or later, the mannerisms become a part of our language and our mannerisms. And what Dr. Aiken is arguing is that y'all are going to become like who you hang out with. If you want to develop good qualities in your life, become self-aware. In other words, quit hanging out with losers. You need to be a part of the discipleship ministry of Connect Church. So, Now we get to this verse that I really wanted to land on this morning, unpack, and then we'll apply it to your life and mine. So why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye, Jesus said, but you do not notice the log that is in your own eye? Now here's the context of what Jesus was saying. He was saying, do you not realize that all of these Pharisees, and you know how we've interpreted this verse. This verse means, you know what, Mark, we're not supposed to judge Don't judge me because you've got your own problems and your own issues. Stop pushing it. It doesn't mean that at all. 
Here's what it means in the context of Jesus' sermon. Here's what he's saying. I need you all to become self-aware. You all are leaders. You all are leading D groups. You all are leading connect groups in this church. You all are trying to lead your families. You're trying to make a difference in high school. You all are called to be leaders. How in the world can you go to school, go to work, your family, the church ministry, if you all are not seeing the giant log problems in your own life? You're trying to evaluate how to live a Christian life, and you're saying, you know what, Matt? I appreciate you, brother, you know, you and your wife and, and your kids, but, you know, there's a, I don't think you're playing that string right on the guitar. I didn't even, I don't even know what strings are on his guitar. Jared handed me his guitar a while ago and said, you know, you want to play it? I go, I don't even know how to hold it. Much less how to string. How in the world? And yet, some of you all sit back and go, they're not playing that right. It would be like me looking at them and going, you know, Jared, you need to do a little better with the guitar. I don't even know how to spell guitar, much less use one. And yet some of y'all go back, well, you know what? I think, preacher, you need to do this kind of sermon better. I'm not even going to touch that one. Anyway, uh, so the truth of the matter is, is that we've all got our opinions, and y'all are trying to, to, you know, to, to worry about all the other problems. Y'all are being miserable and unhappy because you see the faults in everybody else, and you're able to see what they need to change and what they need to change. And Jesus is simply saying, how about you become the leaders that God's called you to be and to become the kind of leaders you need to be? Let's start looking at the giant logs that are coming out of your life. I'm worried about a little dust speck in your eye when I got a tree of sin growing out of mine. By the way, everybody else sees your sins. You're the only one that's not getting it, dude. Dudette. <laughs> I speak for a living. We've got to become more self-aware, Jesus says. So the whole context of this verse is saying you're not seeing your own life with your own issues because you're not listening and following the right leadership. So no wonder you're frustrated with those around you. Ouch, that's a little different interpretation of the text. Can I illustrate it to you? So um, we have this lady in our church and I won't miss, mention Miss Christy Smith's name. And uh, she posted on social media this week, it's fair game, sorry sis. And uh, she put a meme up this week of this girl dancing on a TikTok video. And the girl was attractive. She was very good at dancing. And so she's doing her whole TikTok, you know, whatever jig. And about five, stop it. I And so <laughs> Lily's embarrassed at my, all right. And so anyway, and so she's doing her whole little, and so for about three to four seconds, this gal's just getting it. And man, she could move. You know, it was just hurting me to watch. And so, and this gal was getting it. And then all of a sudden, with no hesitation, the screen flips. TikTok video. And the screen flips. And there's this rather large white woman dancing who uh, looks like she's drunk out of her head. And she's trying to do the same dance. And it would be like me, bald-headed fat guy, you know, dancing. And so she, white, no rhythm. And so this girl, she just, you know, I mean, it, it, body parts were flying everywhere. It was ungodly. It was unholy. And it was ugly. And so the little meme that Christy had posted on there, and it was hilarious. It was dead on to this message. 
it says the first picture is what you think you look like dancing. <laughs> the second one is what you really are uh, looking like to everybody else. And so, what, what, and I'm not preaching against dancing. We don't believe in it anyway. We're Baptists. Don't you have any fun? Anyway, uh, dancing. Never mind. Anyway, but so here's the thing. Uh, what I am trying to say is, is that you all keep thinking you've got your spiritual lives together because all you're worried about is how you look on Sunday. We all see the second picture. Everybody else in your family sees it. The church sees it. And we need leaders in our church who are self-aware of their weaknesses and they're open and they're honest about it. We're not looking for perfect people. We're looking for people who are looking for Jesus. And they are what they are, and they're seeking him. And this is going to come out clear as Jesus illustrates this. And so this morning, I want to land on this subject matter of how that we really develop um, self-awareness. You know how much God loves you all? This week, setting you all up for this, if you're reading through the Hear Journal plan with our church, and by the way, if you're not, uh, we start on Monday with a, whole new, uh, with a whole new section. Go pick them up. We got the printed off. You can go on our webpage and, and watch them online and start doing your Hear Journals. But this week, all of us that have been doing the Hear Journal reading plan of our church, we've been in the book of Galatians and we've been uh, in the book of Acts. And now here's the crazy part of how much God loves you and the theology that he's pouring into your all's lives. And he knew I would be preaching this sermon. I didn't even know how it all come together. I'm telling you, God loves Connect Church. And so here's what we read together this week. We read how the Apostle Paul, a leader in the church, and Peter, and, and, and all these guys were going to plant new churches. And you know what happened when they went to plant new churches, Kevin? They would go share the gospel, turn it upside, the town upside down. People would get saved and baptized, and then people would get mad, ticked off, and they would run them out of town or put them in jail. They were up and down a roller coaster of emotion and, and experience, and the whole time you're reading it and you're going, man, that's got to be crazy town because you seem like you're trying to do the right thing. And then you know what else happened? In the whole book of Galatians, they get into arguments in the church. They start fighting among leadership. And in where were we in Acts? 15 one day this week Peter and Paul the two greatest preachers of all generations they disagree and they go at it and you're wondering what in the world is going on this is in the Bible and maybe God's just trying to say a message these people learn and went through frustrations and failures and heartaches because God never promised us that everything is going to be easy and what does he teach us in all these challenges and trials? We need him. Self-aware people come back to the place, and this is what Peter and Paul did. What matters is, is that we do discipleship and we stay focused on the Father's mission and nothing else matters. We've got to get over our personalities and our differences and our failures and our fears and come back to the fact that what Jesus has called us to do is to be disciples who follow him, go in other people, and get to go to heaven one day. Y'all are making this way too complicated. That's what discipleship is. 
So what does that look like in your life and mine? All right, I've got four minutes and 30 seconds to give you five points. You better, you better hang on and listen, sister, because I'm fixing to roll. Number one, you ready? Here's how we become self-aware. Here's the application. Get your notes out. Gracie, you better write them down quick, girl. Here we are. Number one is uh, how do we become self-aware people is we need to understand our feelings. You've got feelings, and you need to learn how to share your feelings. Um, You've got to learn how, let me say this again, you've got to learn how to share your feelings in a discipleship group, in a connect group. You need to learn how to be honest and open that this is what I feel like. Quit hiding it, quit excusing it, and quit running from it. This is who I am, this is what I feel like, and allow others to help filter your life and teach you how to, how to do better with your feelings. Y'all realize, ladies, that the husband, the man sitting around you or in this audience today, Dr. Warren, Rick Warren, these principles I'm going to share with you come out of his book and an application of this text, so I'm just borrowing his stuff or stealing. Uh, and, and here's what he says. Uh, I disagree. He says that men only have two feelings. Ladies, men only have two feelings. I would argue there's three. Number one, all men are going to tell you when they're hungry. I tell you what, and that's what some of y'all are doing here this morning. It's 11.40. The Methodists are going to get the first in line if you don't shut up. You're poking your wife right now. You want to go early? Because I'm hungry. Y'all are sick of hearing men. I'm hungry. Feed, feed the bear. Uh, anyway, and so you know, you know how we are. <laughs> I don't know. Secondly, men have feelings and they want sex. They have two feelings. They're hungry, they want sex. Let me add a third one. Um, if they're a hunter, they're from Mississippi, and they're a hunter or they're a fisherman, they want a new bass boat and they want a new deer rifle. Okay, so, so I would just add that those are the only three feelings that men from Mississippi have, and so quit trying to change them. I'm just telling you, that's all we are. That's just all we are. Uh, and so we have feelings. And, and here's the thing. The Apostle Paul, you all read in your Bibles this week with us, the notice of what the Apostle Paul said. And here's the key to this. The Apostle Paul said... And arguing to the church at Galatia that was trying to go back into Judaism, they were arguing and debating the leadership of where they were going to wind up. You know how Paul won the argument to get the church to get right? How did he do it, Mark? He said, I opened up my heart. Do you want to know how to lead people? They need to know you care. Do you all know why you, John Brown, come to this church after 20 years of listening to me yell at you all like this every week? Do you all know why you all come back? It ain't because I'm purdy. <laughs> I figured we'd have a lot of amens on that one, right, Mark? It ain't because that I'm the smartest cookie in the box. I don't know where that went. That went south, David. It's not because I'm the greatest preacher. The reason y'all come back is because you know that Belen and I are broken. Belen and I have shared with you that I have failed as a preacher. I have not always led this church right. Matter of fact, I led it wrong. I played the whole legalism and told y'all, don't wear shorts and cut your hair and do all that stupid stuff. I was a moron because it doesn't make you a Christian. I failed as a father. I failed as a husband. And I've owned it. And I've been open to share with you my feelings. But I've run to Jesus. And Jesus has forgiven me. 
You all have forgiven me. You getting this this morning? He's not looking for perfect leaders. What he's looking for is people are honest enough to share what we need in our homes and what we need in our church is leadership that admits we need Jesus. The humility to share your feelings. Paul changed the church at Galatia, not with his intellectual argument, but because he opened up his heart, Rebecca, and shared with him what God is doing in our lives. That's what needs to happen in your discipleship groups. That's what needs to happen in your connect groups tonight. If you're going to have an impact on the lives of other people, write this down. You've got to learn to share your feelings. Number two, I have to learn to share my faults. Uh, In Romans chapter 7, This is a great study to go home and do later. In Romans chapter 7, the Apostle Paul does this great chapter that confused me for a long time in my legalism. Paul goes on a rant through the whole chapter of telling how mad he is at God, how mad he is at himself. He was having a self-aware battle within him, and he was trying to figure out, Josh, why do I keep doing stupid things? That's what Romans 7 is. This great theological discourse of the greatest uh, writings about what we believe in the doctrine of who we are as a human race. And in the middle of it, the apostle Paul goes to crazy town and just starts saying, Grant, man, I'm frustrated. I keep doing the wrong things. I keep saying the wrong things. I keep being an idiot. And I cannot figure out I want to do the right thing. Is anybody relating to this? And I keep screwing up my life, my family, and everything. The apostle Paul! Y'all getting this? And he just talks about the whole chapter about his faults. If the greatest preacher that ever walked to the face of the earth needed to do this, then how much more should your backsides be doing this tonight? Admitting where you're struggling at, admitting to people that will hold you accountable, discipleship learns to admit, I don't have to be a perfect preacher. What I need is a perfect God. Number three, I have to accept my failures. And this is powerful. This is what we learned in our Hear Journal reading this week. Uh, the church had many failures. I just illustrated those to you guys. And, and I have to accept my failures. And now here's why. Here's why. Because until you all figure out that you need Jesus, you all keep trying to be good, it doesn't work. You know what happens when you all keep trying to do the good on your own and trying to become good people? You're going to be miserable and unhappy and grouchy and judgmental. Jesus can't pick you up. Write this down. Jesus can't pick you guys back up until you admit you failed. Isn't that good? Write that down. Jesus cannot pick you guys back up until you admit that you have failed. We're not talking about perfection. We're talking about Jesus. So quit running away from your failures. Admit them and ask Jesus to help you embrace the pain of your failures. That's how you learn. Which leads to number four, I need to be truthful about my frustrations. Now it gets real. We've got a, some of you all have the personality types. And I get you and we love you. I don't understand you. But you have the personality types that when bad stuff happens in your life, you all run from it. And you use these kind of phrases because you're not self-aware. You use phrases like this. Well, it doesn't really bother me. You're a liar. If I hear that one more time of you, I'm loving Jesus' name, I'm going to slap you. And another one is, for you that live in this denial world, you know, well, I have these, all these problems, but it's no big deal. Yes, it is. 
You're ruining your homes. You're ruining your church, your kids, and your family because you won't admit that stuff is going wrong in your life. Admit your frustrations. Do you know what happened in the Romans chapter 7? This is money. Paul tells the world for the rest of eternity, I'm frustrated with me. I'm frustrated with my life. I'm frustrated that nothing's going right in my life. And you know when he comes to the conclusion? Look at this. This is how it ends right here. This is money. Romans 7. Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord so that I myself may serve the law of God with my mind. In other words, I know Jesus is good. I know Jesus has got my back. I know Jesus died for me. I know Jesus overcomes. But with my flesh, I'm still an idiot. That's what he's saying, Mark. That's what he's saying to us. What joy comes in our life when we admit, I'm going to struggle in this life. I got news for you. You ain't ever going to get it figured out here. But I'm going to a place one day where I will. And Jesus is going to be the one that gets me there. Admit you're frustrated and it's not going well. And let Jesus carry you to the other side. That's what discipleship is. And here's what you learn in that discipleship process. God wants to teach us about himself, his power, his love, his grace, and his wisdom. And all too often, we got to learn this the hard way. The only way you figure this out, guys, is by failing and frustration. And then you get there. But guess what? It's a good place to be. Because you're there with Jesus. Somebody say amen. Number five, I have to become, I have to be honest about my fears. And this is where we want to land and close. The truth of the matter is, we're never going to find the right path until we admit we're scared to death. I'm never going to make it to the Rocky Mountains. I'm never going to get to that place that I dreamed about. I'm totally afraid of where I'm at in my life. And here's what Jesus is simply saying to you. Uh, He says, I want to help you overcome your fears. My wife uh, was trying to teach me these truths in November, uh, the fall of this this past year. Trying to lead a church through COVID. Blaine begins to pour into me and she says, man, you're in a funk. You're in a mood. And she goes, you're just not looking at everything like you should. You're grouchy. You're negative. And I was like, well, thanks for the pep talk. And by the way, y'all need less pep talks and you need more truth. Let me say that again. Y'all need less pep talks and more truth. And she said, what you, all, what you need is a friend. And she, goes, she said lovingly, she goes, I know why people don't like you. Thanks. And she didn't really say it that way, but she said to me, you need to just let people pour into you. Because you're too bullheaded and you want to keep doing it your way, and you need to let that out. And she was dead right. And sure enough, I got a plan of action of what you all are not doing. You need a plan of action and take these notes today. Go tonight in your discipleship groups, in your connect groups, and you need a plan of action to change. And so I got some friends, and I told him my feelings and I stunk at it. But what God did in turn is give me truths that she said a hundred times, the Bible has said a hundred times, 
but I didn't listen until Terry Wages said, dude, you're killing yourself. He said, I love you, man. I'm a deacon and I'm a friend, but you need to learn how to just chill. And I need you to sit down and take some days off and just know you've been through two years of leading a church through this hellish season we've been through. And how about you give your body and your mind a break and let Jesus restore you and refresh you to be the kind of leader that we need to have in our church. I'd heard it from everybody else. I go to staff meetings every week. We hold each other accountable. We're pouring into each other. But sometimes it just takes a multitude of discipleship friends to get through our hard heads the truth that we need to hear. Folks, we're never going to be the kind of people that God wants us to be and have the joy in our life until we become self-aware that who we need is Jesus and his ways. Will you stand with me this morning? Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for your words today. We thank you for your message and your truth in our hearts and our lives. And Father, this morning we just come and we bow before you today. If you're here today and you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, we want to invite you to come. We want to invite you to come today. It's been a hard message. Man, this is, this is, a, man, this is a grueling one. To all of our guests and stuff, y'all come back, and I'll probably say something like this again next week. But the truth is God loves you. And he's pouring into this church, and he's tr trying to remind us, don't get distracted from discipleship. Don't get distracted on trying to find a cheap, easy answer for a happy life. It's hard work. It's painful. And we've got to be in his house, and we've got to listen to his word, and we need to be in groups and discipleship. And it's where we learn the hard truths about ourselves. And we see the log coming out of our own eyes. Self-awareness. And this morning, if you're tired and you're frustrated, maybe you're about to lose it all. Maybe you just want to come today and do what I had to do. Is just admit, God, these are my feelings. God, I'm frustrated, I failed, and I'm afraid. But I know who the one is that can relieve me of all of this. I come back to you. God, I've made wrong choices. I've even hurt relationships because of the stupid choices I've made. And God, I come back to you, and you are the God of grace, you're the God of forgiveness, and you're the God of second chances. I come back to you this morning for you to put me back on the right path. I'm going to do the Father's mission. Go and make disciples. As we sing, would you come? Thank you for listening to the Sermon Playback Podcast from Connect Church in Tupelo, Mississippi. Connect Church has two worship services on Sunday mornings at 9 a.m. and 1030. We sincerely hope you'll visit. For more information and details, or if you have any questions you'd like to answer, please visit our website at www.triconnect.church. Again, that's www.triconnect.church.